0: The podcast world is growing bigger every day, and Himalaya wants to help you navigate it. Himalaya is a brand new podcast app. you can find every single podcast you love and some future favorites whether you're a podcaster or a fan himalaya has got your back discover personally curated playlists and show your favorite podcasters some love with himalaya's tip jar it's free it's the easiest to use and they're adding cool new features every day go to your app store download himalaya that's h-i-m-a-l-a-y-a and don't forget to follow pizza city once you're
1: there Our dough doesn't have oil in it. A lot of the knockoff pizzas put oil into their dough, which allows the dough to be um, chewier as it sits. With our type of dough, um, it doesn't sit for long periods of time because, again, it doesn't have that shortening inside of it. A rectangular pan
0: pizza that's been around since 1946, the invention of Sicilian immigrants who made use of blue steel pans lying around as a result of the auto industry. No one has been making these pizzas as long as Buddy's has, and today we talk with the man responsible for spreading the gospel and keeping tradition alive. After all, he's been with the company for 49 years. I need a deep dish sausage and a thin pepperoni for here. This is Pizza City, the podcast dedicated to the art, craft, and passion behind some of the world's greatest pizzas. I'm Steve Dolinsky, author of Pizza City USA and founder of Pizza City USA Tours in Chicago. And welcome to episode four, everybody. Great show for you today, talking all about Detroit-style pizza. Although, of course, if you're in Detroit or in Michigan, they just call it pizza. Uh, It is not a Detroit-style, but we all know it is Detroit-style, and it's sweeping the nation. Uh, You're finding it in all kinds of places around the country. Uh, Emmy Squared in New York has got a couple locations. They're in Nashville now. There's Union Squared here in Chicago. Uh, but it all really started at Buddies. That's the original in uh, Hamtramck, a uh, corner of, I guess, Six Mile and Conant. Uh, that seems about right. Yep. In uh, the 1930s, it was really just kind of a tavern. It was kind of actually an under-the-radar tavern. They called it a blind pig. Uh, avoided the state and federal laws about uh, governing the sale of uh, and use of alcohol. But you could get booze there. And uh, the owner was a guy named August Guerra. He went by the name of... Nickname of Gus. And in 44, he turned it into a legitimate tavern, but the war was still going on. This is World War II, and their business was not great. And so in 46, they started doing a Sicilian-style pizza, and it really was the women, because when you see pictures of buddies from the old days, the black and whites, it's all women in the kitchen. And so they came up, they clearly were Sicilian, they came up with a Sicilian style of pizza. And the reason they did it was because they had all these blue steel pans laying around from the auto industry. Remember, it's it's Motor City, so uh, the tool and dye shops had all these steel pans laying around. They weren't that big, they were small rectangles. And so... The women, uh, as they were accustomed to, would push the dough into these pans, oiled pans, let them proof overnight, um, and then top them and and sauce them the next day and bake them. But a little bit different recipe at Buddy's. So they would push this dough into these pans, uh, use brick cheese instead of mozzarella. Brick is a cheese from Wisconsin with a bit more, high; it's a higher fat content. And they'd also put pepperoni on top and let it proof. And they'd push that brick cheese all the way to the edge of these pans. And what would happen is when they bake it, you would get this beautiful caramelized, we call a friko, a cheese cracker, a crisp, if you will, on the outside perimeter of this pizza, and that's become the hallmark. The other hallmark are the two racing stripes of sauce. They call the racing stripes, of course, because it's Motor City. Um, not a whole bunch of sauce, not an even layer of sauce. Just a couple of racing stripes across the top and then into a conveyor belt oven. Typically, it's a Middleby Marshall oven, same oven they're using at uh, Union Squared in Chicago, by the way. Um... And this is Detroit style, so that crispy cheesy edge that is just got—it's like a beautiful contrast because the middle of the pizza is quite soft, um, and and spongy, almost like a focaccia. And the bottom, the undercarriage, has these like lovely little mini craters, and they're typically uh, left to cool on a rack. You'll see this at places like Emmy Squared as well, uh, cooling on a rack. So you have that sort of firm bottom, but a soft middle. And, again, not a ton of sauce. Um, and so it's Sicilian, yes, in origin, but it's definitely got a Detroit spin. Well, of course, this caught on quickly in Detroit. And in '53, uh, a couple of guys named—there uh, were two Jimmys, I guess. Jimmy Bonacorse and Jimmy Valenti bought the uh, buddies and the recipe, and then they had it for about 16 years— and then the Jacobs family paid a visit and they fell in love with it. And then they bought the business in 1970 and owned it ever since. And uh, funny enough, five years later, this guy named Wes Pakula started working for them. And Wes is our guest today. He's the vice president, director of operations for the company. He is really the guy sort of charged with being the ambassador for the original Detroit-style pizza um, and is more than happy to talk to people. I was there visiting, you know, from Chicago, four-hour drive from here, and he was just more than happy to take some time and talk, talk me through it, took me into the kitchen, wasn't hiding anything, you know, showed me exactly how they did it. And it was just... Just one of those amazing little gems that you find every so often um, that you want to just spend as much time in as possible, like a DeFara in Brooklyn. Uh, Just a a really historic place. And so there's a lot of history on the walls at Buddy's in Detroit. And I spent some time with Wes recently, and uh, we started off with just kind of talking about what this style is and where it came from. Wes, how long have you been
1: with this company? Uh, Since 1975. Has this business changed at all? It's always been the same since 46? Uh, no, I think it's evolved a little bit. Yeah, but Buddy's is still number one, but yeah, it has evolved, of course.
0: Not a ton of competition in terms of other
1: places in Detroit doing this style of pizza. There's only two or three, right? Uh, that's true. There's only two or three, but our customers, because we feed generations, they're very particular. So we have uh, we have some tough customers to deal with. So we absolutely have to make sure we're on our game. Even though we don't maybe have a lot of outside competition, we have competition with our current customers. All right,
0: so tell folks what is Detroit-style pizza, who've never had it.
1: Yeah, Detroit-style pizza, first of all, is square. Um, It's sort of an upside-down pizza, it starts with a uh, pan that's uh, rectangular in shape, but we call it square. It's kind of a deep dish pan. It's deep dish. The the dough is actually made in such a way that it actually proofs, so it, it may appear to be deep dish, but it's very light in texture, and it's built from dough, pepperoni, cheese, and then it's sauced on top, so it's a little bit backwards. But you have to explain a little bit
0: because you begin with some of the brick cheese sort of in very small pieces, and the pepperoni is pressed into the dough, and then you let it proof, right? That's correct.
1: Yes, the the cheese and pepperonis are done that way. And part of that is the pepperoni imparts a a lot of flavor into the dough. So you have this balance of the pepperoni... Sort of baking off into the into the crust, and then you have this cheese that 's layered on top that 's also imparting into the dough, and then the sauce is just a light enhancement so and, and in
0: terms of the timing of this or the procedure, what I saw in the kitchen, they would have the dough with the cheese and the pepperoni they 'd pull that out when an order comes in, then you would add more brick cheese on top of this and again it 's not sort
1: of slices of cheese like we 'd see in chicago it 's little small almost little pieces of brick cheese that's that's correct because the dough has to proof so you don't want to be layering anything heavy on top of it to 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 push that dough down that dough needs to stay fluffy so uh the extra cheese that's put on is sort of a topping cheese it's to create extra melt because the original cheese kind of crystallizes a little bit so it doesn't melt as well but it, it also again it imparts that flavor into that crust because that's really what a detroit style pizza is it's it's the pan and it's also the crust.
0: But then the last thing that happens before it goes into the oven is this sort of swoosh of tomato sauce, just like two ribbons on
1: top, and that's it, and then it goes into the oven. That's right. It's very light saucing. Uh, You know, we call them racing stripes, obviously, because we're in a motor city, but they're a very light layer of sauce. What you don't want to do is impart a lot of sauce to create this watered-down kind of effect. So it should be lightly skimmed on top, and then when the cheese melts, it kind of separates the sauce So it should reach all the parts of the pizza, because if you oversauce, the sides could break down and things like that. So there is some technique. And then into a sort of electric
0: infrared oven, kind of a conveyor belt oven for about 13 minutes at 600 degrees. When it emerges, it has this, I guess, caramelization or sort
1: of lovely burnt characteristic on the edges of the pizza, right? All the way around. Correct. Uh, Unlike, again, traditional round pizzas, you have this sort of half-inch or one-inch border around the rounds where it's strictly dough, and then in the old days they would butter that crust to kind of get customers to eat that. But with buddies, the cheese is put to the ends, and then it also kind of crystallizes at, 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 at the pan's perimeter.
0: But it's not like you're, you need to entice people to eat the edge of the pizza, because the dough itself is so good. It's a, basically a focaccia. It's like a Sicilian pizza. And underneath, when you l- look underneath the pizza and sort of the undercarriage, you see these sort of brown, craggly, crater-like little ridges and
1: edges, um, and there's almost an airiness to it as well. That's right, and, and some of that comes from the pan. Obviously, the pan's a little bit uneven, so there is some cheese that will meander through, through the crust a little bit around the edges, and again, it's like it, it, it comes together in that pan. That pan is what kind of sears that, that dough, and it also uh, has the properties of imparting additional flavor from use, from all that oil and cheese and things like that that are accumulated in, into that pan.
0: And talk about that pan, because this pizza, I mean, from my understanding, was kind of born from the,
1: the industry here, the auto industry. It was like a scrap pan, right? Right, it was a scrap pan. What happened is, at one time, obviously, the, the people that were here at the Original Buddies uh, were familiar with a uh, focaccia, Sicilian-style type of product, which was rectangular in shape. Big old pans that they used to make it in. So there was a search out for something that could bake in a smaller uh, dimension. So uh, there's obviously nothing around at the time. This is in the 40s, no square pizza back then. So uh, they had round pizzas, of course. But, um, so the folklore was that someone locally worked in tool and dye shops. They had a, uh, a sort of a container that was square in nature, made out of steel, blue steel, so it wouldn't rust. And they brought it in and looked at it and threw some dough in and obviously it, it, it did the trick and, and 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 the years went on, more pans were brought in and more pizzas were sold and and that's how it began.
0: Now, like most pizza stories, like in Chicago, anywhere, somebody gets married, moves out, then they open up their own place and then there's a little bit of a, sort of a local pizza war. That sort of has happened in Detroit as well,
1: right? That's true, yeah. buddies has a long history. Uh, most of I would say everyone that came that's doing Detroit style right now had some origins with buddies. Originally, when uh, Gus Guerrero had it at Cloverleaf, who started it, uh, he eventually sold buddies to the the Jimmies, Jimmy, Big Jimmy and Little Jimmy. And uh, they sold it to our current owners, the Jacob family. And uh, through all those years, there's either an employee that left or, you know, there's some kind of connection to someone that was interested in it, went out. American dream you go out you put some money together you open up a place it's it's flattery we don't view it as anything negative I think uh everyone does it a little bit differently which is fine everyone has a following which is fine our industry is amazing that um we all share knowledge and 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 there's a little bit of competition but I think in fairness uh it's 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 almost a tribute when someone does something uh that you sort of originated.
0: It's a tribute until you send a cease and desist letter.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, we, we
0: want them doing it their own way, of course. Yeah. <laughs> After the break, Wes Pakula tells me about the construction of the buddy's pie and how something called a squircle comes into play. That story, plus we'll preview some scenes from our next show, so stay with us. So we've all seen those meal kits out there there's a ton of them right now but every plate is quite a bit different think of it this way one meal from every plate is the same price as about a cup of coffee when other dinner options cost about ten dollars per serving every plate is offering five chef design recipes each week from only 4.99 per serving recipes come together in about 30 minutes definitely faster than a trip to the grocery store They've got easy-to-follow recipes. They take the stress out of dinner time. Every plate does the meal planning for you. They shop. They prep for you. They take the time-consuming guesswork out of cooking. Never buy more ingredients than you need because every plate's recipes come with everything already pre-measured. I speak from experience. The box that I got had a really thick and a hearty potato and bacon and cheese chowder, which I managed to make during the polar vortex in Chicago. Could not have been... A better dish for that time of the year. I had it for lunch the next day. There was so much of it. Um, But here's the deal for our listeners. Okay, so for six free meals across your first three weeks and free shipping on your first delivery, go to everyplate.com and enter the promo code PIZZA. That's everyplate.com and enter the code PIZZA. Now, as a podcast listener, you're going to get free shipping off your first delivery, making the cost of your first box go down by 20 bucks. everyplate.com, enter the code PIZZA. How much of a pain is it to go shopping for socks, underwear, t-shirts, sweats? This is what Mack Weldon was designed to solve. They believe in consistent fit and quality. And so Mac Weldon went out and engineered their own fabric. They made sure the design process was meticulous. They built a world-class customer experience, and they really believe the difference is in the details. So Mack Weldon, it's a premium men's essentials brand that believes in smart design and premium fabrics. They've got a great website. I just went on there the other day to go shopping for a couple of things. I need new socks and underwear, of course. Uh, we all do. And I would actually been a previous uh, owner, so even before... We decided to partner with them for the podcast. I own a a blue polo shirt that I I absolutely love and wear all the time in the summer. And actually, right now, I am wearing the gray sweatpants because my wife and daughter bought these for me for the holidays because they know I love comfortable and stylish, and that's what I'm wearing. So Mac Weldon, they believe in smart design, premium fabrics, and simple shopping. Uh, They've got a line of silver underwear and shirts that are naturally antimicrobial. That means they eliminate odor, and they want you to be comfortable. So if you don't like your first pair, listen to this. You can keep it, and they will still refund you. No questions asked. That is how confident they are that you're going to love their product. So here's the deal for our listeners. You get 20% off your first order. Visit macweldon.com and enter the promo code pizza. At checkout, that's Mack Weldon, M-A-C-K-W-E-L-D-O-N dot com. Enter the promo code Pizza at checkout for twenty percent off your first order. I guarantee you're going to love what you get. Welcome back to the show, everybody. We are talking about Detroit-style pizza, and that, of course, means Buddies, uh, the original since 1946. So they're coming up on 70, this is their 73rd year, I guess, in business. They've only had about three owners in, in that time. Uh, Wes Pakula, the gentleman who is our guest today, has been with the company since 1975, which is really impressive. Um, I was, We were talking about um, how it's been spreading around the country, you know, Emmy Squared uh, in New York and Nashville and... Um, Union Squared here in Chicago, and I I asked about the common practice you see of letting these Detroit-style pizzas rest over wire cooling racks, and that's where we pick up our conversation. Now one thing I saw in New York at Emmy Squared, and I've seen in Chicago, another place, they'll serve the pizza on a wire rack elevated above the pan so that air circulates underneath. I've seen this in Japan with like uh, breaded pork, tonkotsu, to keep it crisp all the way around so it doesn't get soggy underneath. Is that something that you guys have ever done here, or is that a new thing?
1: Well. There's a couple things here, okay so one, for our carryout boxes, we use a thing called a squirkle. It's a perforated piece of squirkle. It's called a squirkle, yeah That's a great name. Yeah, it, it goes into a box, it's perforated, it has ridges, and it elevates the pizza. But the difference with buddies, to, to be clear, if we put our pizza on this perforated grate, what would happen is it would firm up like like a sort of a, for lack of a better word, like an old rye bread, because our dough doesn't have oil in it. A lot of the knockoff pizzas put oil into their dough, which allows the dough to be um, chewier as it sits. With our type of dough, um, it doesn't sit for long periods of time because, again, it doesn't have that uh, shortening inside of it. That's why when you lift it, and it, it would become like crostini, and that's not something people want. They want something that they can bite into. It, it would probably get too firm.
0: In all the years you've been here, do you eat this every day?
1: I would say uh, not every day, but pretty close. I mean, we're, I mean, we have a million variations. I don't think I mentioned earlier, but we do the deep dish, but we also have thin down the crust. Very similar to what they did with bagels. You, you cut them thinner, and, and, and again, that changes the flavor a little bit because you don't have all that dough in your mouth. You're able to eat that uh, pizza. With less dough, and, and that again creates a different flavor. So, so half as high maybe? Half as high, half, half, as, half as much dough also. Not just half as high, but half as much dough. That sounds like a
0: grandma slice from New York almost.
1: That's correct, yeah. And again, that creates a different um, balance of toppings now because you don't have all that dough in your mouth. It's like thinner bread on a sandwich. You taste more of the roast beef or, or whatever you're putting on there.
0: If the Chicago order is a sausage and cheese, and if the New York order is a slice, which is just cheese,
1: what's the Detroit order? I would say cheese and pepperoni. That's still the number one t- in any industry. I mean, pizza industry, pepperoni is number one by so far. When you uh, The original pizza, if someone wants to come in and try it, obviously you just go with the with the dough, with the pepperoni on, on, on the dough, and then you have the brick cheese and the light saucing on top, and uh, you can't beat it. But,
0: you really can't. It's delicious. It's one of a kind. Wes, thanks so much for your time today, and thanks for letting me uh, tool around your kitchen and and ask you questions.
1: We are honored to have you here, really. I mean, a neighbor city like Chicago to come into Detroit and and give us some props is great. Thanks. And that is going to do it for today's show,
0: but join me back here in two weeks as we travel way out to the Pacific Northwest for a Chicago-inspired pie at the hands of a computer engineer. Natural fermented,
1: it's about a three-day process um, unless we get in uh, a really big jam. But, you know, we have, we have this dough calculator that kind of takes the standard deviation of how much we sell on any given day and is looking three days out and um, all this. So we, we generally have the right amount of dough. I'll talk
0: with Dave Lichterman, the man behind Windy City Pie and Breezy Town Pizza in Seattle, where he's created something truly unique that will be familiar to fans of Chicago Pan pizzas like Labriola, Pequod's, and Burt's. That's in two weeks. Remember to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or the Himalaya app, and please review us, and by us, I mean me. You can follow us at Pizza City USA on Instagram. If people still use Twitter, it's at Pizza City Tours. And speaking of tours, take one the next time you're in Chicago. More information about those tours and how to get my book at pizzacityusa.com. Bureaucratic wrote our theme song, and you can always contact me at Steve Dolinsky. Thanks for listening, everybody. And remember, optimal bite ratio always.